Today's very special guest, one of the top power forwards to ever lace up the blades, Jerome Ginla, the greatest Calgary Flame of all time. Joe Tilly's great Canadian sports show, Canada! Oh, we are very excited about today's show. Our special guest was born in Edmonton, raised in St. Albert. Yes, we like him already. Longtime Flames captain, one of the best power forwards the game has ever seen. Two times he reached the 50-goal mark. He reached the 40-goal mark four times. 30 goals or more, 12 occasions, including 11 in a row. 1,554 NHL games over 22 seasons with the Flames, Penguins, Bruins, Avalanche and Kings, 625 goals, 1,300 points, a four-time All-Star. He won the Rocket Richard Trophy twice, the Art Ross Trophy, Lester B. Pearson Trophy, two Olympic gold medals. In 2021, last November, he was inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame. Ladies and gentlemen, Iggy, Jerome Aguinla. Jerome, welcome to the show. Hey, Joe. Thanks for having me. Well, you know, you're you're born Edmonton, uh, or sorry, born Edmonton, yeah, at the hospital in Edmonton, raised in St. Albert. Of course, I'm from Edmonton, too, just south of you. I live just off St. Albert Trail, as a matter of fact, in Dilbert Court. We had some pretty good hockey teams, but uh, none, none of us ever made it made it to the show. Uh, what was, uh, tell us about uh, your, your best, fondest memories of growing up in uh, northern Alberta. Yeah, yeah, I was born in uh, Edmonton, and then... I moved to uh, my mom. I lived with my mom. My parents were divorced when I was uh, very, very young. Eh? Uh, but my dad still lived in Edmonton. I was very close with him. But, you know, he was, uh, he had a, a young family. And, and I grew up with my mom. And we, uh, we moved to St. Albert from Edmonton uh, at age seven, age seven. And it was, uh, it was a great move. My grandparents lived there. Uh, it was a wonderful community, a really, really good sport community. Um, and my mom put me in with my grandparents, uh, put me into as many, uh, sports as uh, they could, you know. I, I and it was a, a great community for that. From from school sports to community sports, uh, uh, you name it. From hockey, baseball, bowling, basketball, volleyball, badminton. Uh, I played them all. My mom said I had so much energy, and uh, um, she she needed to, to keep me out of trouble. So uh, very fortunate that she uh, that, that they did that. Well, that's always a good way to, to, to get, get our uh, energy out there, to expend our energy in a positive way. I, I just want to say that John and Brenda from the Dairy Queen, uh, John and Brenda Power from the Dairy Queen of St. Albert, were just so they, they said you were an amazing young fella. So I wanted to throw that in there. Uh, they're here. So um, I want to talk about your, your, your handle here, Jerome. Okay, so Arthur, Jerome Arthur Lee at Akunle Teague Jr. Elvis Aginla. How did that name come about? Was there like you had to get all the grandparents or uncles in there? Or what, how'd that happen? Yeah, I, I, it'd be better to ask my dad. But um, yeah, I've asked him before too. And, uh, and, and the, the names are, um, my dad uh, immigrated from uh, Nigeria when he was 17, 18. And uh, so those names, uh, Jerome, that's what you know, him and my mom like. Um, 
They, uh, my mom wanted it a little bit unique, so she put in an A instead of an E after uh, the J. So it's, you know, Jerome that way. And then uh, right. Arthur Lee um, was one of my dad's names when he was, uh, well, is one of his names. And then Adekunle, that was my dad's name. And I don't quite pronounce her uh, as well as he does, Adekunle. Um, and it was his name in Nigeria. And he, when he moved here, he thought it was uh, uh, too hard to pronounce and, and uh, <laughs> would have been an issue. So he changed it to Elvis. And as you uh, see in my name, Jerome Arthali Adekunle. Uh, well, Tij Tijani uh, was my grandfather's name in Nigeria. So that's where that one comes from. And I'm a junior. And we said Elvis. That's right. my dad's new name. My, when, when he came uh, over and switched his name and uh, again, so that was a combination. It was uh, pretty wild. I kind of, uh, people always growing up, they could never believe, would never believe me. I had those many names and, uh, um, but actually now moving to BC on my birth certificate, I have all those names. I can't, uh, I, my actual legal name right now is Arthur Lee because Jerome is fourth in line on that. And uh, oh. they won't, no matter what, they, it, this just happened a few months ago. I got to go in and get it changed. It's Arthur Lee at uh, uh, Aguinla. And I'm like, if, if it, I tried to argue with them, but if it's fourth in line, you cannot do it. It has to be in the first three or something like that on your birth certificate. So it was a mess, but it's been fun. And I've enjoyed having those names. And now I got to go stand in line and get it uh, officially changed. You know, I know exactly what you're going through. I was a junior too. I was Clarence Joseph. And so on my on my driver's license, I'm Clarence. And on my passport, I'm Joseph. And it's very confusing. And my last name is Tillipaw, and I go by Tilly. So uh, I have all these aliases as, as well. So I kind of know what that, uh, that that business is is all about. Um, so tell us about the, any challenges that you had uh, growing up uh, in terms of uh, your sporting career. Uh, well, I, I don't know if I, hmm. yeah, there was challenges, there was challenges and it was just, you know, I, I had an amazing, um, childhood and, and, you know, it was, you know, lots of love. And like I say, I, I grew up with my mom, uh, but I spent a ton of time at my grandparents, but my dad was, you know, my dad had a new young family as I got older and, and, uh, my oldest younger brother is six years younger. And then I have two brothers and two sisters with the, my dad's side. So, and they still lived in Edmonton. So it was, it was awesome. I, I just felt like, you know, people were always happy to see me and my grandparents were, I spent a lot of time there after schools, uh, after school, but you know, sport wise, getting into the, the sports, it was just, it was, I was fortunate to make the younger teams as a first year. So it was usually working two year blocks. Um, so baseball and, and hockey were, were my two favorite sports. And, um, when I made, uh, the hockey team say adam i started hockey at seven i'll go back i started hockey at age seven and it was i wasn't very good i was the bottom player um you know in the bottom league a novice C. and it was just fun i just went out and just enjoyed it played practiced right down the street from my grandparents there was uh embrace side there was an outdoor rink so i would go there after school pretty much daily and uh started getting better next year i made the next league up and it was uh, novice B. So it went novice C, novice B, novice A. There was no rep teams. Uh, and then, so it was another good step, and I got better. And by the third year, they changed the ages, so you had three years of the one league. Uh, by age nine, I was now in the novice A, and I was pretty good on my team. So I started to catch the top 
the older kids and I mean the kids that started earlier. Uh, but age 10 was rep team. So then I tried out, I made it, and I was the only underage to make it. And that was a good year. It was fun. I got to play with the older kids. But the hard year, to answer your question, was 12. 12 was uh, mm -hmm. first year again, PUE. Second year, Adam, I was a second year. It was fun. I was the only returning player. Um, but PUE, again, I made it as a first year. And I was the only first year to make it again. And it was a little bit hard. It was kids coming into their teens, you know, you're, you know, 12 and 13 year olds together. Um, I was the only underage. So, you know, like as far as being a rookie and, and uh, you know, when you're younger, nobody really cared about ages, but by 13, they start to, you know, try to have the rookie veteran thing. And um, it wasn't as fun of a year. And also it was a year where it got a little bit more serious and I wasn't getting a chance to play as much. So it was a challenging year. It wasn't as fun. Um, it was still fun. It is hockey. Uh, but it, you know, it was like where you're missing the odd shift or you're not on the power play anymore and, and things like that. It's not your turn up. So it was one of those, it was one of those years. It was a hard year. Um, it was a good learning thing. Um, my, you know, my mom had to talk to me about, you know, about, uh, you know, teenagers and, you know, it's it just, it was like, it just was a little bit more, uh, challenging on and off the ice but the next year at 13 it was awesome it was it was you know I was a veteran again and it was I appreciated hockey more than ever I got to play a ton uh, I know it's funny talking about veterans and rookies when you're 12 and 13 mm -hmm. years old it's gonna be an issue but um, you know it's it is and now I coach uh, <laughs> the break off there I coach now 13 and 14 year olds which is this uh, bantam and uh, I can see some of the same um, you know, locker room stuff and, and teenagers learning to, uh, to be good teammates and, and, um, you know, accept one another and, and have good attitudes and different, you know, ice time's not always the same in different spots of the game. So I see what they're going through and I, it brings me back to when I was uh, right around that age for sure. So you're, you're 12 years old, you're, you're struggling a bit, you're not getting the ice time you want. What motivated you to stay with it that you could sort of pass on to those, those kids you coach today that are 13 and 14 years old and, you know, wondering if maybe they should give it up? Or... Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's, you know, my, my, parents, my mom, my dad, my grandparents are very, very positive. Uh, it's, there's lots of the ups and downs are good for you in hockey, and it doesn't feel like that at, this, at the time. And, and you know, uh, sports and um, it's one of those things to stay positive, to keep working, um, you know, to look for the silver linings. All those, some of those are like cliches, but they really do. They do matter, and they and they do help you. And and you know, some days are tough days, and you know, uh, you know, sometimes you need to to get a, get away from hockey too. Sometimes as kids, and even a, an NHL player is you think about it all the time. You think about your sport all the time. How can I, and all you really, you know, it's, you want to make sure you're still enjoying it, but also with a growth mindset, you, you know, like at 12 years old, it wasn't about how good I could be at 12 years old. It was about trying to work to get better and enjoy the sport. So, you know, I spent a lot of time at the outdoor rinks. I spent a lot of time shooting balls, shooting pucks, uh, trying to get better and, and, um, and, I think the biggest thing is was yeah sure there were kids that grew it's it's kind of an age where also I left that out it's it's a big uh, it starts a starts a puberty right so as a teenager mm -hmm. starting sports tend to it can all of a sudden it, it was hitting and you're going against some really big kids and 
I wasn't very big. I was a late grower. I was small. Um, so it was intimidating too. And, uh, but you know, and there were kids that were better than me and that was fine. And, and, uh, but it was just more focusing on myself and, and trying to enjoy what I did, but also just working to get better and not worrying that I wasn't the best today and just trying to get better as my own self and player. And, and I think that is having a, um, that growth mindset and finding ways that I can look at my game and see, yeah, I'm improving. And, and, uh, but most of all, uh, finding ways to, to enjoy that work and enjoy the game. Well, you found that motivation, you found the drive, and then you were eventually drafted by the Kamloops Blazers. And uh, that turned into a pretty good situation for you. Tell us about, you know, what you learned in Kamloops. And, because I think that's where you made that transition to a pretty good offensive player to a you know, really good power forward. Yeah, you actually reminded me, too, one of the – I was thinking of, uh, of things when you asked uh, about challenges growing up. And one was the WHL draft, getting drafted and getting to Kamloops. I uh, was 14 years old, and that's when the draft was, and I got these letters. You'd get letters in the mail, and it's still very similar now from the WHL teams. And they would say, you know, we're interested in you. Um, you know, we think you may be able to play with us. Are you interested in us? And it was very exciting to get those in the mail. And at 14 was uh, – uh, the draft for me, and and um, I had a bunch of, I had probably maybe 10 letters from different teams, and I had uh, even a phone call. I even talked to one scout that, that said, uh, you know, we think you have a possibility, you know, there's a possibility you can play here at 16. So I was really, really excited, and I played with uh, the St. Albert AAA Bantam Sabres, uh, um, and I had some other friends on the team that were young and going through the draft too, and uh, I got way more letters than them. and. You know, some of them had two, some of them didn't get any. And it was exciting. And the draft came that day. And uh, I was actually one of the leading scorers in the, as a rookie. And I was, to be honest, I was just wondering where I was going to get drafted. And, you know, very excited about it. And the draft came and I didn't get drafted. And guys on my team did. And, um, yeah, it was, it was devastating. It really was. And, and it, was, it was a little bit embarrassing. It was... Um, because I, I expected it. I had these letters. You talk with your friends. You wonder which one might pick you. And then you wonder what's going on, like what's wrong. Um, and uh, so that was hard. It was hard. And I remember writing in my wish I had it. It was my journal and writing, you know, one day, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it and I'm going to work hard and it's going to look back. And I don't know, you know, I wish I, I could find that and read it. But it was one of the harder days. That was probably actually my hardest day in sports when you're asking, and I, and I couldn't believe I forgot it. So thanks for, for bringing that up. But uh, right. um, it wasn't long after I got drafted to, uh, not drafted, I got listed by, by uh, Kamloops. And it was the best thing uh, for me. And, and uh, I got to go there and it was an amazing organization with a lot of great players and history and, and a really good culture that helped me learn and grow. So it ended up being for the best, but it was really hard. and. Um, it was something that, uh, that I guess looking back, you know, made me tougher. But also looking back, and I was talking about growing, is I was small. I wasn't a big player. I asked our assistant GM, and, well, the GM of Kamloops Blazers later, and uh, NHL scout, our, um, Stu McGregor. And, uh, mm -hmm. But he was the GM there later in, um, in Kamloops. And I asked him, and he said I wasn't – and I asked Bob Brown because it did bother me. I wondered why, like what, what happened. And they said I was just small, and it was – you know, it was that that was must have been the reason. Maybe I had a bad tournament near the end. I'm not sure, but 
Um, it ended up being good for me, but it wasn't uh, easy to go through, that's for sure. So, Jerome, you, you make it to Kamloops. What happened in Kamloops that allowed you to become the type of player that you became? Uh, yeah, Joe. Yeah, going to Kamloops uh, was great for me. It was an amazing organization. And also, for minor hockey to, um, you know, to pro, it's kind of a, it's a great step. It's, it's semi-pro. You have way more fans. It's a lot. It's more serious. It's that takes that from you know minor hockey should be fun and it is fun. And um, for me, growing up, I was uh, I hated taking penalties. I I literally cried on my first penalty I took in novice. You know, so um, it, it was. Uh, I never I never really liked hitting. I didn't really like that. But when I went to Kamloops, I worked with uh, Don Hay there, who was the head coach, and you know preparing me to now you start to he's helped me try to develop a role and uh, preparing me to try to get to the NHL and what type of player I could be. So he wanted me to, he helped me develop into a power forward. I also had Shane Doan there uh, as a, an older, you know, a veteran. He was only a year older, but he was a power forward and uh, someone I looked up to and, and Don Hay was working with him too and, and developing that. So he worked a lot with us uh, um, together to, uh, you know, hitting, you know, get lower on our hits, how to finish checks, um, be a little bit more aggressive. Uh, you know, like I say, so my first year there, I, I, I got, you know, a, a more penalties than I normally did because then when I was looking at what a power forward was, I, I would look at uh, guys in the NHL like Brendan Shanahan, Keith Kachuk. I would try to find guys that, that – but they had, like, so many penalties. You know, Shanahan, like, had 200 penalty minutes a year or so. Um, that wasn't quite there and I, and I, but I, but I took more, and, but not, I never wanted to take tripping and those type of penalties. So, you know, I guess a power forward is you're thinking they're like roughings together or sometimes it's fighting, um, you know, or at the end of the game, when the game's out alive in junior, you're trying to get your penalty minutes up. It would be like at the end of the game, you get into some pushing and shoving matches or whatever, but, uh, really it's about playing hard and going to the net and, and uh, being physical, finishing your checks. So Don Hay helped me a ton on it. Um, and it was, it was there where I started to uh, develop into that role from a, a Lady Bing guy in, um, in, in minor hockey. Go to Kamloops to be the perfect situation for you, and you win the Memorial Cup not once, but twice. Like that is such a phenomenal occurrence, and I don't believe the, the franchise has ever won before. That must have been what an experience that would must have been for you. Yeah, it was it was amazing uh, to win the the Memorial Cups and be on teams, uh, you know, with so many guys that would go on to play in the NHL later. Uh, but also, my first year going from sixteen, um, it was a challenging year. I mean, we finished, we won the Memorial Cup, but as a, a young guy leaving home, it wasn't easy. It was grade eleven. Um, moving in with uh, uh, Bill families, not my home, but they were, you know, I had some wonderful, kind, generous families, uh, but it was, it was away from home. And also the hardest part was, uh, you know, a, a season is 72 games and in minor hockey, uh, uh, you know, you play every day, you play all the time. I only got to play 48 or 72 regular season games. And so that was, that was really, really challenging. And I'd be sitting out watching games, uh, even in games that I played, I would get two shifts. You know, there was a competitive team. I would get two shifts in the, in the first period, two shifts in the second period. 
uh, a shift in the first 10 minutes. This is what a guy, you know, as a year, you know, it, it was, and then if the game was going really well, I'd get to play maybe another couple shifts. If it wasn't going well and it was close, I, I would maybe get five or six shifts in a game. So it was a challenge and it was, it was really cool the way it worked out. And, and, you know, I got better from being around Shane Doan, Darcy Tucker, uh, Ryan Huska, Nolan Baumgartner, all these guys that went on to play in the NHL, uh, Jason Strudwick, Steve Passmore. There were so many of them, and I got to practice with them daily. But it wasn't all just, you know, so easy and, and fun. And, and um, there were times even in my first year where I was like, we'd get off the bus, we'd have a seven-hour uh, bus ride. I'd be sitting up in my, you know, as a rookie, you don't get a, you have to, you get one seat. Or that's what we got. We had so many veterans that everybody, if you're a veteran, you get like to lie down, you get two seats, you get, you know, you share. We had one seat. I'm saying we'd go through the mountains and I'd be like swaying back and forth and, and, and barely any sleep. And then it would get up and go to school. Um, and we weren't allowed to be late for school. So you get go home and shower. And I remember driving thinking, I don't know if I'm going to make it like this is uh you know but fortunately for the kids now the WHL it's uh it is easier the school the school route uh they've, they've changed a little bit you know as far as that but we had tough travel there back then and so long story there but yeah it was it was finished awesome and the playoffs were great it was fun and and it was worth it and it and it helped me but it wasn't wasn't all that easy uh in my first year doesn't sound so glamorous, yeah, Jerome. Yeah, so, but 1995-96, that's your, your big season. You're the Western Hockey League Player of the Year with 63 goals and 136 points. You played for Canada, the World Juniors. You won a gold medal. You led all players in that tournament with 12 points. You were named the top forward of the tournament. That is pretty impressive stuff. It seems that you always rose to the occasion when you played for Team Canada. Uh, it was it was always a huge honor. I, I watched uh, Hockey Canada stuff growing up with my grandpa at Christmas time, World Juniors, and yeah, that year was an amazing, uh, uh, big growth year for me. Um, it was so much fun. Uh, our coach Ed Dempsey, Don Hay, moved on to the NHL uh, after uh, winning the Memorial Cup at sixteen seventeen. So I was eighteen that year, and we still had a good team. And Nat Don McKelly, he played in the NHL, and he was a line mate. He was an, he was a year older. He was a uh, an awesome player, had an amazing career over in uh, Switzerland um, after leaving the NHL. Uh, but yeah, so we had a lot of fun. Our coach played us a ton. So it went from 16, not playing much. Uh, at 18, he literally, he'd be like, yeah. can you go again? Can you go again? Can you go again? So um, it played, played a lot, but that meant some other poor <laughs> younger guy wasn't playing as much, but hopefully they got to play a lot when, when we left. But um, it was really, really cool. Um, and it was junior gets a lot, you know, you go from at 16 years old, you're playing against some 20 year olds, lots of 19 year olds, 18 year olds. So it's a big challenge. Guys are stronger and bigger. But as you get older each year, it does get easier. You get bigger and stronger and you're playing against some younger players. So uh, each year in junior got more enjoyable and, um, you know, had more success and, and got easier because uh, hopefully, you know, getting better as a player, but also bigger and stronger and got to play against some younger kids. So, um, yeah, it was a junior was a big part of my career. Great for growth uh, and a lot of fun and, and, and good memories. A challenge for you because you're, you know, you're, you're drafted by the Calgary Flames after growing up as an Edmonton Oilers fan. Was that, uh, was that a challenge for you? 
Uh, no, it wasn't. It was to, to just to get to play in the NHL, any of the teams, I would have been thrilled. Uh, and then it was cool. Um, you know, I, I guess it would have been a challenge for my my friends and my family. And I, and I, I worked to convert some and, and some guys, uh, you know, some of my friends would be like, Oh, I'm a fan of both. And, uh, I have one uncle. <laughs> he, I grew up with, I, I could never get him to convert. <laughs> he, 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 you know, he really pained him. He pained him that I played for Calgary. Um, and if we were playing head to head, he just, he just couldn't, uh, he wouldn't really tell me that, but I could tell deep down, he wasn't really cheering for the flames, you know? So, um yeah it was awesome it was it was fun it was great to be that close to home um have uh my mom and my dad and my grandparents be able to come down to games friends uh you know um it, it was it, it was really really neat but uh yeah it was also you know some people ask me like dallas you know they were such a good team you know would you have wanted to to stay there and um you know they won the stanley cup but you know i believe in god and i think things work the way they're supposed to be but also looking looking at it it's uh dallas newendike went there they won the stanley cup but he was the con Smythe trophy winner he was it worked out well for them he was uh, a big reason why they won the stanley cup so you know if i go there and they're an older team maybe i'm not playing as much as a young guy and, and getting the same opportunities and getting a chance to develop and be part of their lineup and um breaking in in calgary i got to play right away i got to play at 19 i got to to be a part of it i went through some growing pains i had a really tough uh second year or i felt it was really tough and you know maybe if you're on a top team you don't you know they don't let you work through those growing pains and and uh uh send you to the minors and and who knows so i got lots of great opportunities and, and great memories and and uh um had to, was fortunate and blessed to, to play 16 years in calgary well, you know, there are those deals that are good for both teams, and that certainly seems like it was perfect for the Flames. Like, nobody's going to – Flames are going to say, oh, well, wish we hadn't made that trade. Stars aren't going to say, that. well, wish we hadn't made that trade because it worked out so well for, for both teams. Even though you had, the, the, the as you mentioned, some issues in the second year, that first year was pretty darn good. Uh, second in the Calder Trophy voting, you had 50 points. Uh, which led all first-year players in 96-97. Uh, we're in number 24 that first year. Uh, why number 24 and why the change to 12? Yeah, yeah. I had uh, I got given 12 in Kamloops. It was uh, growing up, I was like 18. I loved 8, 88s in Kamloops. That was my number. Uh, and I just got used to it. And then when I got to the NHL, 12 was taken uh, on Calgary by Paul Cruz. And uh, during my partway through my first year, uh, Paul Cruz uh, got traded and uh, number 12 came available. So they asked me if I'd like it. And uh, if you don't jump on it, it's probably going to be, you know, in my mind, 12 looks like a good number, right? So it's going to be gone. But um, no, so I, yeah, I did take it there uh, about halfway through my year uh, and, and uh, glad I did. It just was what I was comfortable to. And I'm sure 24 would have been fine, but no superstition or anything, just uh, what I was used to. Well, 12 is a very powerful number. It has a lot of significance for me and a lot of my friends. Uh, but uh, uh, And you were a powerful player, that's for sure. Now, 2001-2002 was your best season. You won the Rocket Richard Trophy with 52 goals. You won the Art Ross Trophy with 96 points. You also won the Ted Lindsay Award as the NHL's top player, selected by the players. I think at the time it was the Pearson Award. Um, uh, tell us about that season and, uh, you know, how, how 2001, 2002, that's when you're really starting to come into your own, isn't it? 
Yeah, I gained a lot of confidence uh, that year, and, and that, and I think I really started. There was a lot of things that came together that year, but in the summer, uh, getting a chance to get a late invite to Team Canada, uh, Simone Gagne was at. There was a camp in Calgary, and it was where they do the pre-Olympic, and they have I don't know if it was fifty players or, or what it was, but I wasn't invited to that initially, and I was fine with that. I, I mean, in my mind, those those are something they were the best, some of the best players yeah. in the world, and. I didn't put myself in into that levels and you know I would have loved to be there but I was fine with not and Simone Gagne got hurt after the first uh day and he had a uh, a groin issue and and I got called and I came in after the first day and I always thought I always figured you know was I wondered if I just got a call because they knew I was in Alberta you know or was I really that you know or was I next I never really asked or was I next on the mm -hmm. list you know what I mean that just missed uh but regardless uh, I went to that camp and it was a huge, huge boost for my confidence because I was out there um, with some of the best players to, you know, Joe Sackick, Iserman, uh, were, you know, all around these guys. Uh, Eric Lindros was rifling shots, you know, and, and, and Brodeur there in net and, and, you know, all the, it was to be out there on the ice, Korea. And I wasn't, a, I wasn't like Stan, you know, all you did was scrimmage really. And, it wasn't that I was like awesome out there, but I was able to like play out there and get some chances and, and feel like I belonged out there with them. So it was a huge, huge boost to my confidence going into the year. And uh, also at the beginning of the year, I got, that was the first time I started playing with Craig Conroy. We had a great chemistry and things just rolled. And Dean McCammon, we had a really, really good line that year and played most of the year together. And, um, and it was just one of those things that just kept building and it was, everything came together that year. And, uh, like I say, chemistry, confidence, and it was uh, one of my most fun years for sure. And, and first year reaching 50 and, and getting honored by the players as a Lester B. Pearson award winner. It was, it was pretty neat. It was, it was something that growing up, I dreamed of playing in the NHL. I didn't, you know, it was, I didn't dream of leading the league in goals or, you know, it was just trying to make the NHL and, and get better and, and work at getting better. So it was, it was really, uh, it was a blessed year for sure. Well, all those opportunities for growth, being around those players and, and, and learning that, knowing that you can compete with them. It's kind of like the change I saw in Mario Lemieux after that Canada Cup in 87. He became that, he, he reached that net le next level after that. That's what it seemed to me happened for you after 2002, which we're going to talk about more in a minute. But 2003, 2004, you win, you win the uh, Richard Trophy again. And that was, that was a very big year for the calgary flames now at this point you're you become that leader that we all knew about you guys didn't win the cup in 2004 but you made the final against tampa uh and really should have won it i <laughs> you had a shot to win it in game six thanks to uh you setting up the game winner uh you know against uh, against tampa in game five uh and then uh helmetless no less and what a great pass that was uh <laughs> And then you almost, you know, you almost single-handedly led, led the Flames to the Cup that year. And of course, then, and you know, uh, you you weren't afraid to mix it up any time in your career. In the playoffs that year, you had to go with Hatcher, Darian Hatcher. Uh, you threw bone-crushing checks. You had the scrap with Vinny LeCavalier, and uh, that was a legendary tilt. You know, we're talking about the Stanley Cup Finals here. You don't see a lot of scraps in the Stanley Cup Finals anymore, but your tilt with uh, Vinny and and you know I mean you were you you basically said guys hop on my back we're going for a little ride here I'm going to do whatever it takes to lead us to the promised land include uh, 
you know, take care of, of Le Cavalier. Um, what was that, uh, you know, what, uh, I mean, I'm pretty sure that you, you're the all-time leader in Gordie Howe hat-tricks. Probably have more Gordie Howe hat-tricks uh, than Gordie Howe had. Uh, by, by Gordie Howe hat-tricks, I'm talking about, of course, and a goal and assist and a fight in the game. In addition to those bone crunching hits he used to used to used to throw, what was that experience like? Two thousand four, despite the, you know the fact you came up just short, even though that Martin Jelena goal was definitely in, you know <laughs> as we saw in the replay. But you know, as it turns out, you, you, you're 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 runner up in the Stanley Cup. And uh, tell us about that run and the city of, of Calgary at that time, and what was going on for you? Yeah, yeah, it was it was a. Uh... It was an amazing run, and it was. You know, I look back, and obviously, I would wish that goal would have counted, and, and given us you know a few minutes to to go to win a Stanley Cup. Um, but at the same time, I'm very thankful that I got to go through that experience with the, the team there in in Calgary. It was, you know, it was we were one goal away from winning, but looking at it, I got to see and I got to be part of a team that that came together that had so much fun together that you hear about the winning teams and, and, you know, I got to do it at different ages and, you know, in Kamloops and stuff, but you, you know, watching the NHL and hearing about it and, and, you know, the camaraderie and getting to see it and getting to see different guys be heroes on different nights. And um, it, it was, it was, so it was really hard not winning it, but it was awesome to go through it. And, and I think back to each series and the way, you know, we, we weren't expected we were underdogs, but Mm-hmm. Uh, all of our guys, uh, you know, if you go through it, uh, um, you know, late Steve Monador, um, he scored a huge, huge goal against San, San Jose. What a, what an awesome guy. And he was my roommate for a long time. And, you know, he scored an overtime winner and he was, you know, he was a D man. He didn't score a ton of goals. And that was, uh, I remember that one, everyone jumping around. It was an OT winner in San Jose and we knocked those guys off. They were supposed to beat us. We beat, you know, first of all, before that we got to, uh, Vancouver, they were a huge, huge rival for us, and we beat them in seven. And it, the series was back and forth, and and uh, you know it was right at the end of the game. We were up. I missed an em- empty netter. Connie gave me a pass, and I missed the empty netter. They come down five seconds later. There's barely any time left in the game, and they score. They're shorthanded. They go down and score a goal to tie it. It's like all the emotions. Uh, but fortunately, uh, we win. Jelly scores in overtime. He had scored three. That would have been four deciding if that one counted in the finals for deciding he scored every series clinching goal that we had so three but that would have been four and i think he would have been the only player i would imagine in history uh that have done that probably in any sport the, the, that's like the the deciding basket or something in basketball you know so um yeah. it was it was really really special that all the different guys that step up how close we were as a team how the guys embraced their roles uh daryl coaching um you know, and, and he does a really good job of, of making all the players feel important and are important. And some play way more than other guys, but even the guys that play eight minutes, you know, they're, they buy into the role of it. And, and uh, um, it doesn't mean they don't want to play more, but they know they're important. And he does a good job of making guys uh, fit in the roles, but also feel important. And, other, and I think as a team, when you're that close we were really really close team sean donovan i remember you know connie jelly the you know kipper had an amazing playoffs and you know regiri was Brett mm-hmm. warner there's so many neat guys that you become friends with and you go through those battles with but we were one goal and at least i got to see and feel what it was like to be you know 
on a on a that type of team, a winning team that that uh, could win it all. And like I say, we're one goal from it. So got to do all the experiences, except we didn't get to to raise it. And 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 at the end of the day, uh, would have sure loved that. But it was it was still as hard as it was not winning. I, I would go through it again because there were so many amazing, amazing experiences and ups and downs and so much fun. Well, you beat the number three seed, Vancouver. Then you beat number two seed, I think it was L.A. And then you beat the number one seed, San Jose. I think that's how it went, isn't it? Second, oh, we beat yeah. Detroit. We beat Detroit. Sorry, Detroit, two. second seed. And yeah, we, Detroit was number we two. Had no Detroit was number two. Yeah, yeah. We, I remember in their first game, we beat Vancouver in game seven. And it was so exciting. It was, you know, the overtime. But then we went to Detroit. And it was like two days later. It was like, you know, when you play game sevens, they start the next series. So we flew to Detroit. And I think we got beat like 5-1 or 5 nothing. And I remember sitting on the bench in the first, uh, after the first game going, oh, well. You know, like, not oh, well. It's like, at least we made it here. You know, like, and what are our chances? You know, they have Brett Hall, Shanahan, Iserman, you know, the, the Hatcher, like, uh Cujo and they were just loaded and you know Matthew Schneider all these guys and and um somehow we uh you know well I I shouldn't say somehow Kipper absolutely stood on his head and played unbelievable in that whole series we'd win games like one nothing two one and we we won it in six and it was it was shocking it was it was really really cool and it was I wouldn't want to play him again. I'll, let me at that time. I don't know if we'd win another series against them the next time, but that one series, just, it was Kipper was just amazing. Right, and that's where you had that great scrap with Hatcher too. I mean, that was uh, you know that that was a spark. That was a, the, the TSN turning point, if you will. I think of that series when you uh, you know decided you're going to take on Hatcher, and that was that worked out pretty well for you guys. Um, so you, you, you've come up short against, you know, against Tampa, even though you probably won that game. But anyway, you had a lot of, uh, you know, you followed that up with a gold medal performance of the Canada Cup. And you had a lot of career milestones, including, you know, fortunately with the Flames still, you were, you got your 500th goal. It came January 7th, 2012 against the Minnesota Wild. And it's your 500, 500th goal, all with the same team. Not a lot of players can say that. Tell us about that goal. Oh, I see the highlight. It was it was an ugly goal, hey? Just throwing it to the net. It went yeah. off of there, skating in. Um, it was cool that it got to be in Calgary and, and got to be at home. Uh, but but highlight-wise, I wish it was a little nicer. <laughs> if yeah. I was being uh, a little bit spoiled, hey? It's, uh, I show my kids... Uh, I, I'm very, very, you know, very blessed to get to 602, and it's it's literally just as ugly. They're both off of somebody else's skating in, and you know, I it's like they don't think I scored any nice goals, you know. <laughs> right. But uh, well, yeah, Vic, Vic, is, Vic, let's roll that one, Vic. Roll that. Roll the number 602. Roll the number 602. So this is against oh, uh, now. Now you're playing with Pittsburgh. I, you're, uh, you you go Pittsburgh, Boston, and Colorado, and that's where you got your uh, your your 600th goal. Uh, Vic, if we can find number 600, um, you know, this is, uh, again, you, you talked about what kind of goal it was. Uh, yeah, you, you had a lot of great goals, Iggy, breakaway goals, uh, you know, uh, shootout winners, uh, you know, phenomenal goals, uh, tic-tac-toe passing plays, you know, all that kind of stuff. But it just so happened that those, uh, those, those, uh, two milestone goals, number 500 and number 600 just happened to be, 
uh, not quite the, the kind of goals we were talking about. Uh, number 600 was, uh, you know, it was the centering pass that went off the skate of Jake Muzzin. We just looked at that the other yeah. day. And, and that's goal number 600. Not the prettiest, but as they say, a goal is a goal is a goal. And I think, you know, it means, hey, goals are like kids. You love them all the same, right? <laughs> but that's the thing. Is as much as I'm making uh, fun of it, I'll tell you, I, I was happy to get all of them and take them all. And uh, here's the one you're showing. I try to pass it to the front. I don't even know. Oh, maybe I'm going back door to Duchesne or something. And it goes in off a of muzzle right. skating it and uh, 600. But, um, yeah, that was, that was a, a, a huge uh, thrill for sure. And I never dreamt growing up I would get – 500 goals in NHL, 600 goals. When, when I first started and you start to do the math, it took me a while to get to 30. And my first 30 goal season, I think was in my fourth year. And, uh, you know, you start to, I've never dreamed, you know, if you would try to do that 20 times, you know what I mean? So it was just, uh, yeah, I was very blessed to play with a lot of great passers, people that set me up and, um, you know, back doors from, from Tangay, Alex Tangay to Craig Conroy. I love playing with, uh, 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 Camilleri, you know, there's different guys over the time. Theo Fleury, I got to break in and play with him early in my first few years, learned a lot from him about goal scoring. Uh, so yeah, it was, it was, it was fun. But like you say, Joe, as much as I make fun of it, I loved all the goals. I didn't care if it went off my butt, whatever it was, you go to the net off my arm, I'll take them all and, and uh, happy all the, you know, all the same. But now when I show my kids, the only thing is when I show the kids, the highlights and they see the 500, 600, they're like, well, you weren't very skilled, dad, you know? So, <laughs> and it's not, not the same kind of thing. and be like, look at, look at this uh, 1996 uh, goal, you know what I mean? So way back, uh, so it is what it is. And, uh, you know, they, they probably wouldn't listen to me uh, anyway, as far as the skill, so. Well, if your kids are watching, trust me, guys, your dad had a lot of really nice goals. Uh, <laughs> and you know what? And, and I'll tell you something else. He, he got to those dirty areas so he could get the ugly goals too, right? So you, you had stops in, in Pittsburgh, Boston, Colorado, and, and, and L.A. Uh, but you, you left the Flames, and that couldn't have been easy for you because, uh, I mean, that was your team. You were the guy. You were the captain. Eight and a half years you were captain of the Flames, and, and you were the team leader. You were the man in Calgary. That couldn't have been easy to leave, but you know the. To, to, but the Flames were rebuilding, and and it was a deal. They decided it was best for the team, right? Yeah, no, it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy at all leaving. Um, I was, you know, it was for a number of reasons. Firstly, that leaving it was, you know, the goal was to try to win a Stanley Cup in Calgary, and really wanted to do that. And amazing fans, and you know, the the Red Mile started during the '04 run, and the Sea mm. Red, and, and just dying to get that back and and uh, unfortunately it didn't happen and um so that was hard to, to to shut that chapter and know that you know as a as a athlete you're always it's important to be positive and you're always thinking how you can you know next okay how can i work towards the next thing next thing and you know tomorrow is going to be better and and you know next game and next season and and now that dream was done and so now it was about trying to follow um trying to win a Stanley Cup. And yes, they were rebuilding. It was good for Calgary to, to get some assets and, and uh, draft picks or, or whatever they, they chose uh, to do. But, you know, draft picks and, and prospects at that time. Um, but also for, for 
for me, it was, you know, I look back at, you know, I was comfortable. I was, my family, you know, we had kids there. We grew up there. Uh, I had been there since 19. Uh, so now it's 36. So it was, it was a long time. And, and uh, it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy deciding to, but it was the right thing to do for me because as, you know, a goal was to try to win a Stanley Cup. That's what I was playing for. And I look back and I get asked, you know, would you do it again? Was it, was it the right thing or would you just stay? And I'm happy. I'm happy I left. I'm happy I tried. You know, it didn't work out. I didn't win a Stanley Cup, but I uh, had many amazing experiences after that. And, you know, I had went to Pittsburgh and had to learn how to, you know, you're trying to, you're now I was a new guy in the locker room and, and trying to fit in and, and uh, try to help them win. And it was great until we ran into Boston in the semifinals. And, and it was a tough series and we lost a lot of close games and all of a sudden we got swept. So that one hurt, that one hurt. But uh, the next year getting to go to Boston, um, it was very, very uh, happy they gave me opportunity to go there uh, uh, the next year and it was a great year got to we won the president's trophy and it was the first time i'd been around it the president's trophy is the um you know the best regular season record uh for a hockey team so it was the first time i'd been around a team that in calgary it was always like we were always in the mix of the playoffs every game was so important it was do or die and it was you're always like it's all even the regular season there's a lot of pressure on each game and stress and in Boston, we were a very, very good team. Those guys were used to winning and, and we were strong. And so it wasn't that same pressure and it wasn't Canada. It was a, a different vibe. And as far as the, the daily, you know, the, the pressures go. So it was kind of fun. It was, it was very fun. And, and we were, we, the team expected to win games. You, we were good. You go into it. And, and unfortunately that year we, we lost the, uh, in the playoffs to Montreal, Price stood on his head. We lost in seven games uh, uh, in the second series. So, and that was one of the only teams that gave us trouble all year. You know, who knows what else would have happened, but uh, Montreal was just one of those things that year. And, and I think that they in Boston, they obviously they have so much history, they still go at it, but that was one of the teams that year. So, and even going to Colorado, my family and I, it was, I got to play with, McKinnon and, and Landeskog and see them as young guys and Ratnan and just coming into the league and Shane and, and uh, got to be there with those guys uh, while they were young and watched them grow a little bit over the three years I was there. And it was a great place to live and we really enjoyed it. So all in all, it was an amazing journey. Uh, I'm happy it got to uh, experience these things. My family really enjoyed it. It was, um, it's been, hockey's been, been awesome. And, and, uh, would have loved to win a Stanley Cup, but I feel so blessed to have gotten experience all the different things I got to do and, and, and cities and places I got to see and people I got to play with. Well, the Flames and the fans never forgot about you, that's for sure. And, of course, they, they had a ceremony to retire your jersey uh, March 2nd, 2019. Uh, tell us about that. What was that like to watch your number 12 uh, race to the rafters with the, with the fans chanting AD? You know, you're the all-time leader in goals, points, games played. What was it? No, that was that was uh, very humbling. It was uh, really, really um, an amazing honor, and to have my uh, family there, uh, my mom, my dad. Uh, you know, it's uh, there's a sea of red. Uh, to have my, my kids there, 
and the flames they they treated our kids uh so well they took our boys uh um on the ice uh for pregame skate with them and and uh Goudreau and Kachuk and um you know they got pictures with them they got to be part of their pregame skate it was an amazing amazing experience and always great to go back to Calgary and see friends there and and uh you know there's so many people on the staff that are still there and and you know Peter Hanlon and uh who's uh vice president there head of PR uh the training staff uh depot it's so it was, it's it was really really cool but it was also a little bit sad it was like it's the end of a uh you know you it was so much fun playing and being a professional athlete and and uh so many great memories there and I hadn't been on the ice much so it was awesome but it was a little bit sad and and uh it was a uh being a professional hockey player is an amazing amazing job and and it's not one that's you know you hear a lot of people retire and they're excited to retire and you don't hear a lot of uh pro athletes that are excited to retire you know um and uh it was time for me to retire but I love playing I loved it and it was so much fun and um I, I was happy to spend the time with my family and my kids and be at home and everything um but so it wasn't like I'd rather I wouldn't I missed hockey I missed the professional game the competing the the cities you get to see and just how much fun all of that is but I was really thankful to get to be home with my kids and spend time with them while they're young and and that's gone fast too so um yeah so a lot of mixed emotions in that one for sure but what an honor and I'm and, and I'm really really uh thankful that they uh gave me that honor it was a beautiful ceremony I just watched it again recently it was it was amazing so you there's no Stanley Cup but you got uh two Memorial Cups World Junior World Championship World Cup a pair of Olympic gold medals okay so 2002 we haven't we didn't get a chance to talk about that yet but you scored two go two goals in the gold medal game to win the championship and of course the golden goal in 2010 getting a chance to play on Canadian soil the Vancouver games getting a chance to play with Sid and, and I know Vic our producer want to ask me this did you hear Sid calling for the puck <laughs> absolutely absolutely make sure guys uh young kids make sure you talk on the ice talk 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 it makes the game easier if he's not yelling for this there's no way I even try to throw it to him but he was yelling with a and with an urgency like you knew he got by the guy uh so I really wanted to try to get it to him um and obviously he his quick hands and his quick release what a um uh great shot big goal but truly that was so much fun there was in the dressing room when they came back and tied it uh us tied it on us late it was like so nerve-wracking getting ready to go into the overtime because you know you're an athlete but also a fan and and you know going out there um it's going to be something we're going to remember forever or hear about forever so it could either be really really positive or not but you know as an athlete you sign up for those things and it is you know i always believe the more things on the line the more fun it is to play and especially when it goes well and that was like felt like it was a peewee memory you know like our dream from peewee you getting to throw our gloves around sid you know like being on home soil uh the fans and the electricity it was it was so cool and um what a neat moment and uh very very blessed yeah it was it was fun and great to see all the time every time i see a highlight of it it's always going to make me smile. It was it was neat. 
Well, you did it from your you knock on on the play, and you still managed to get the goal to Sid. And and uh, how how determined were you guys? Because like you said, like twenty four ticks left, the Americans scored to tie it, and and uh, now they've got all the momentum, and now you're going overtime, and such. I mean, the whole freaking world is watching this game. Certainly North America, and certain certainly Canada. Uh, did you feel some pressure there? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we felt pressure. It was. And they beat us in the uh, in the round robin too. And uh, it was, you know, when when you're playing that game and you're up with a goal left with a few minutes, a goal you're up a goal with a few minutes left in a game. You're you're trying to keep playing, but you're also like you're 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 watching the clock. You're trying not to, but you're each minute matters. Each minute, and now you're under a minute, and it's a tight game. And we have some of the best defenders in the world. You know, it's it's you know, it's, we're that close. So when they score it, it stings, it stings. You're that close to a gold medal on home soil. We go into the locker room. It's quiet. It, it, there's, you know, for the first five minutes in there, um, there's not a lot of talking and, you know, it's like, man, we were that close and we let it slip away, you know, or get out of, you know, so, but then I think it was Niedermeyer. And I think he said, Scott Niedermeyer, he was our captain. I think he said, someone's going to be a hero tonight. And then we start getting each other going. And then Mike Babcock, he was a good leader. And he came in as a coach and got us refocused. And uh, now we just, now we're, now we're recharged. Now we focus not on what ifs or, or what, you know, the bad side, if we don't win or anything like that. You try to just put all your focus into what do we need to do? Let's be positive. Let's go work. Let's go have some fun. We're in the overtime. Someone's going to be a hero tonight. And fortunately, <laughs> It did work out that way, and, and Sid got that big goal. But, yeah, lots of nerves. Um, it's funny because when you're on in those type of games, when you're on the bench, you're a fan. You're, like, watching. You're excited. You're, like, a little bit nervous. And then when you go on the ice, you just go, go, go. You just work away and compete and play. And it's easier to be playing in those situations than, than being on the bench as a, a fan and being nervous or not getting much in the, in the game. So, um, yeah, it was – it was really, really cool and a neat experience about all those sport things you hear about, about staying positive, about focusing and staying in the moment. It was, it was one of those that, uh, you know, was for the rest of our careers, uh, I'm sure we all got to draw on and, and uh, learn from uh, firsthand. You know, I, when I, when I mean, I, can't, I can remember it just like it was yesterday. It was so exciting and so much fun. And I was just, everybody would just, on their feet going, you yeah, unbelievable hugging. And, and we're just watching on TV, <laughs> you know, but, uh, but uh, I can, I can just imagine what it was like being there. Now I was, I was fortunate enough to be there last November when you're inducted into the hockey hall of fame uh, and Mark Messier doing the honors, no doubt, no less. Right. And uh, of course, yes, you won the Mark Messier award uh, as well. I forgot to mention that. How cool was it to have, uh, to have Mess give you your plaque and, and, and do the induction? Oh, it was really, really cool. It was very, very surreal, the whole experience. Um, Mark Messi grew up in St. Albert. Uh, it was something that being a young St. Albertan, uh, uh, growing up there too, it was, it was uh, we all knew about Mark Messi. We followed his career. I followed it growing up. He was one of my favorite players. He was one of the first power forwards that I looked up to, played with heart, determination, had skill, won. Uh, what a great leader. Uh, so, and then being from St. Albert even more so. So yeah, it was, it was like, it was a really, really cool moment, but also very surreal. Like he's handing, you know, you know, what an honor for me that he's handing me the, 
the plaque at the Hall of Fame and I'm in the Hall of Fame because it's uh, to see past players there, to have my, uh, my wife there, Kara, kids, um, her parents, my parents. And it was, you know, life goes so fast, as you know, and as you get older, it goes quicker and quicker. And when you're a kid, you think, oh, it doesn't go that fast. But man, it went, it's gone so fast and my career went so quick. And, you know, I got to be in the Hall of Fame and Mark Messier is, is handing. It was like, it was really, really neat. It was something that I didn't expect growing up. I didn't, I dreamed of playing in the NHL. I dreamed of, you make it, you want to just stay in the NHL. It's an amazing league. It's fun. People are always trying to get in and, and working away. And each year there's turnover. People are leaving the league. Uh, other guys are breaking in. So you just work away to keep trying to get better. And, and, and then you, once you establish yourself and you're in, you want to work to try to, to now it's all about focusing, to do everything you can to try to win. And, you know, and you always want to win. That's part of being a competitor, but firstly, you want to be on the team, <laughs> you know, you want to be a part of it. Right. So that's where your focus is, is how you can find a role within the team. And then it's all about focusing, growing to be a better player, to help your team win and all that. And before you know it, career's over. <laughs> 20 years went by and, and uh, what happened? And it was, uh, uh, just a blink of an eye and, and uh, I was in, got to be in the Hall of Fame. So yeah, it's, God's, yeah, I've been truly, truly blessed and um, hockey's been really, really good to me. I've made a lot of great friends, great memories and um, got to experience things I never even better than I even dreamed. So it's uh, like you say, I got to win Memorial Cups and got to be a part of Team Canada. And growing up, I got to win provincials, all these things. I didn't get to win the Stanley Cup at the end, but, um, you know, it's I, I got to play 20 years and, and have an amazing, um, so many neat experiences and stuff. So no complaints and, and just uh, just thrilled that I got to be as blessed as I was and, and got to play as long as I did. Well, two two of the greatest leaders in mind in the NHL, all sports, incredible captains, both from St. Albert. What are the odds of that? But we do have some of the speech from the Hall of Fame induction, which I want to just play for you now, Vic. We roll up. It's important for me tonight to, to thank Hall of Famer Grant Fuhr. Grant was one of my idols growing up in St. Albert, just outside Edmonton, and I was thrilled to play with him in Calgary at the end of his career. I also want to acknowledge Grant and the recent inductee, the amazing Will Ree and guys like Claude Vilgrain and Tony McKegney and Herb Carnegie for breaking racial barriers in hockey. Being a young black hockey player, it was important for me to see other black players in the NHL. In my first year of hockey as a seven-year-old, a kid came up to me and said, why are you playing hockey? Over the years, I would hear, what are your chances of playing in the NHL? There's not many black players. I hear other stuff. Luckily, there was only a few. And I know it's thanks to guys like Grant and Willie who made me know that my dream of playing the NHL was attainable. <laughs> to Kara, Jade, Tej, and Joe, to retire from what I believe is the greatest job in the world isn't easy. But having you guys to spend time with, to be a family, to coach, not you, Kara, you usually coach us, but um, <laughs> I wouldn't trade it for anything. I dreamt, this is all, like I say, a little harder to believe. I dreamt and imagined how great it would be, the cities and countries I would see, the arenas, the players. I want to thank God for all his blessings. It's been even better than I ever dreamt. Thank you again for this incredible honor. Thank you. 
Well, that was pretty amazing. You know, you touched, uh, you talked about your family, and I just want to touch on it for a second. You, your daughter Jade was invited to try out for the girls, Canadian girls under 18s. Um, Teej was drafted uh, ninth overall in the WHA by the uh, Seattle Thunderbirds. How, how good are your kids going to be? <laughs> and Joe. Oh, and it's Joe, a- of course, right? Yeah, and Joe, I'm coaching here at the uh, academy. His draft year is next year uh, into the WHL. Um, yeah, so no, it's been it's been really um, it's gone fast. It's been awesome to be home and get to spend time with them. And and uh, we've you know that they've liked hockey has been a um, a real treat for for myself. It's been nice to share it with them. And yeah, Jade Jade made uh, the Team Canada under eighteen team, and she you know was really really disappointed in um i think it was january or february where it got canceled i think it was february for the world championship she was looking forward to be a part of it but it did get rescheduled mm-hmm. into june the women's so we're waiting to hear where it is but it's in june so that's she's really pumped we're all really pumped for her to get a chance to represent canada on that u18 team um and then Tiege, yeah he's uh he just got drafted he's to seattle at uh so that's very exciting a new chapter you know he's hoping to to be out of the house next year and and uh, be living there at 16 so that all restarts and like i say he's he is uh-huh. luckier than uh, i was because now they do the schooling either online or they get it done in half a day they don't have to 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 uh have the same travel and seattle's you know a uh, different travel schedule different school schedule than when i was younger at 16 so you'd see it's going to be a little hopefully a little bit easier uh that wise but it's going to be fun watching him and i'm happy that he's uh following his dream and it's been awesome to try to share stuff with them and then joe i'm coaching now at uh rink academy Kelowna, and it's been uh, a ton of fun i coach uh, him uh he's 13 it's a team full of 13 and 14 year olds and uh, they're a good team it's great to, to work with them and and uh like i say you're going through stuff uh it's like i'm also a little bit camp counselor you know as, as far as helping them understand you know trying to help them be better hockey players but also better teammates and try to you know, learn and grow in the game and off the ice and how you treat each other, treat each other how you'd like to be treated, make sure everyone's included and feels good. And, and um, the better teammates you can be, the better team you become and more, just better person you can be. So, um, yeah, so it's been a lot of fun and, and uh, I'm enjoying it. It's uh, been a real blessing to get to share sports with them and share hockey. And they don't always listen or sometimes I don't think they're listening. Then I'll see them working on something that you know, I'll see Joe working on something we talked about, but he didn't give me any acknowledgement that he was even listening. <laughs> but so that's uh, that's rewarding. But uh, it's been awesome. Hopefully they get uh, are having a well, they are enjoying the hockey, but hopefully they'll continue to play a long time. Their dream is to to be pro hockey players uh, for the boys. And, and Jade's going to college next year at Brown. Uh, so I'm excited for her wow. to do that and watch her her uh, play there. And and. Uh, uh, enjoy the game. So hockey is, uh, it's been a, a great avenue, but also, you know, friendships and learning and growing. Um, it's, I love sports and, and uh, for the experiences, but also for the friendships and learning the camaraderie and all that stuff. So that goes with it. So it's uh, um, great that our kids are involved and, and Kara's been driving around and working and, and she's going to get a break. Hopefully uh, next year, a little bit, hopefully two of them are, are going to be out of the house and in a way, hopefully I know we'll miss them, but um They'll be following their dreams, so then she'll she'll get a little bit of a break from from some of the stuff, all the cooking and the driving and the planning and all the stuff that uh, she's a big part of. 
We're going to enjoy that time together, I'm sure. And what I'm hearing is Tej probably won't be standing on a bus holding onto the rail, uh, swaying his way through the mountains like his dad did. <laughs> That's right. And it, it, it was. I remember exactly you know, going up there. I'm sure he will be the first year. I, I'll bet you that doesn't change as far as uh, rookies only get one seat and not two and all that stuff. But they have a little bit different travel schedule. And, and uh, if they are online in school, he can probably not have to get up at uh, or two hours of sleep or whatever back then or three hours. But uh, it was good. It may be tougher. It was strong. And I'm sure he'll have his own uh, – uh, rookie's a rookie, I guess, eh? Yeah. Yeah, it, not not as bad as it used to be, though. That's that's pretty good. That's so right, that's you touched right. on the you, you you talked about you know Willie O'Ree and you touched on uh, Grant Fear in your in your speech your your induction speech. It, has the NHL improved the area of inclusion and diversity? Well, I think it's improved. I, I was I came in at a time in the NHL uh, at a good time where um, it, there was more focus on uh, diversity. And when I first got into the NHL, there was. Uh, we had to do, um, um, oh, uh, it, there was diversity program. I'm, I'm, I'm losing the word right now what it was. It was awareness for um, just, you know, the, the nationalities and but what was uh, acceptable. So we had to go to meetings uh, as players. You know, each team every year had to, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm forgetting what the, what the actual meetings were called, but um, you'd go in as players and learn what was, uh, you know, not acceptable and, and uh, you know, as far as like different nationalities and racism and, and makes, you know, in inclusion and, and being accepting, but also, you know, sometimes players would just throw out, you know, derogatory statements or, or, or names or whatever, and mm -hmm. not even understanding, you know, the, you know, but it was, the NHL did a good job of when I first broke in, I, like I say, I was lucky that it came in a time where they were starting to put a focus on it where it wasn't going to be acceptable. And my time in the NHL, I didn't have uh, um, many, many stories. Uh, you know, my teammates treated me very well. And, and uh, um, you know, I know that guys before me didn't have as easy as I had it and, and had more issues. And even still, in, in places, there's, there's issues that kids shouldn't have to deal with. And there's, you know, racism and... Um, so I, there's still room for improvement and they're still working away at it, but it's a great game. And also a locker room of a hockey locker room is, is made up of, of so many different nationalities from around the world. And it's part of what makes it special. It is, it is, you know, I can think of the mm -hmm. Swedish players mm -hmm. I played with and Finnish players and, uh, you know, Kipper and, and, you know, the different, uh, the, the jokes, the jokes and the, the, the humor and, and, you know, it, it's being able to, to embrace that and not it's not a bad thing it's a great thing and and to be able to embrace that we're from different places and and different cultures and um and that's what makes a hockey locker room so special and it's like 25 people plus the training staff plus the coaches um so um yeah no there's there's definitely keep going and and you know and, and the game is for everybody and, and find ways to make it more accessible for for everybody uh um, is important, um, but uh, you know, I, I was like I say, I I know that Will Ree had it so much tougher than I did, and I know that because mm -hmm. of him and, and other guys, Mike Marson and guys that came after, I had a much easier route, and I'm very thankful for that.
Yeah, and that's uh, we had uh, Kwame Mason last uh, on last. He talked about how this is on all of us to do what we can to, you know, to make this better. Like instead of pointing fingers and talking about what other people are doing and when people aren't doing it up, but the NHL does have that diversity department now, and it always comes down to what can I do? You know, we're all God's kids. We all got to get along. We all got to make you know see each other as God's kids, and and you know what. What can I do to make it better? That's always what, what it comes down to. Well, Jerome, I, I just want to touch quickly. You, you, you did an amazing asset that you've done in Krika. Uh, you know, juvenile diabetes on a kid sports. Kid sport was big for you, and you're personally responsible for some $900,000 being raised for kid sport. You won the King Clancy Award for your contributions to, com- to the community. Why was the community so important for you? Oh, I think that uh, going going to Calgary and being part of the Flames, um, I think that the ownership uh, um, did a great job of setting an example and helping us be involved in the community. Uh, Peter Hanlon, who's been a long time there, he's vice president there, head of um, PR there, and and trying to align us with players. You know, the owners um, give a ton back. Like over the years, uh, Mr. Hodgkiss. Uh, the Seaman brothers, and you see their stories of of all their generosity in the community and stuff, and they were great examples. Um, and uh, you know, it's it's continued. I know the Flames are a big part of the community there, and, and giving back. And um, and so when we go as players, I always thought, and I said Peter and stuff, they would they would help align us with causes that meant something to us that were extra special to us. And so for myself, sports was a really a big part of my life and like I said way back my mom thought that that helped keep me out of trouble I had energy to burn and I just wanted to play and play and play and I played all year all the time multiple sports and I was fortunate that my grandparents were there to, to help out and, and with driving and, and you know costs at certain times uh, so not everybody has that but so sports meant a lot to me and, and being able to have the life that I've lived and the memories and the friendships and, and so kids sport was a natural for me I think it's a great program and, and helping kids just be involved, not just hockey, but whatever sport that they can help the costs and, and help kids have fun and, and burn that energy and make friends and, and learn different life lessons. And so that was really special to me and, and meant a lot and was easy to get involved with and, and um, a great program. And um, so, yeah, so I think that the, the Flames uh, should, should get a lot of credit for their, you know, for being an example in the community and, and uh, helping the players uh, align with things that, that are personal. Well, Jerome, uh, you know, we'll see another Jerome again as a result of efforts. Uh, you know, one of the great power forwards of all time. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Maybe the greatest power forward of all time, I can say that. Maybe the greatest, well, the greatest Calgary Flame no, of all time, I'm going to say that. that I'm going to go on, I'm going to go on. I'm going to go out on that limb and see that. Um, it's, you know, like I said, Jerome, I, it's been such a pleasure for me to have you on the show. Always been a huge fan. And and uh, uh, you're just an outstanding human being on and off the ice. As, like, as uh, Craig Button, your former GM, once said, uh, you know, as, as good a player as Jerome again is, he's an even better person in real life, a better person off the ice. And there you go, right there. <laughs> oh, that's nice person to play. <laughs> and we all <laughs> thanks for that Vic our producer Vic is on the ball thank you sir and
uh, for being a guest on Joe Tilly's Great Canadian Sports Show. We've got some great Italian threads for you from Classic Imports. Next time you're in Eastern Canada, let me know. We'll go play some golf, and we'll get you hooked up with uh, with Jeff for some for some great Italian threads. Uh, thanks, thanks, Jerome. Hey, thanks, Jerome. I enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. All right, buddy, and we'll have more sports when we come back. Guests on Joe Tilly Sports receive a gift certificate from Classica Imports. Top of the line, imported men's clothing. Check out the Classica Essential Collection now. Go to shopclassica.com. Hey, this is Tommy Grazley, a.k.a. Tommy Gunn. I love two things, music and sports. And when I want sports, I go to the Joe Tilly Show. He gives me everything I want. It's a great show. Check it out for yourself. Joe Tilly Sports, coming up. Good night. When I'm working out, I like to wear my Joe Tilly's Great Canadian Sports Show t-shirt. It makes me feel handsome and strong. If you want a t-shirt, support the show, click on the link below. Now, back to my workout. Uh, 1761, 1762, 1763, 1764. Addiction Rehab Toronto, Toronto's number one alcohol and drug treatment center, saving lives, reuniting families. The only treatment center in the province to offer medical detox, treatment, sober living, and lifetime aftercare all in one place. Our unique and specialized programs are designed to equip our clients with the tools to successfully lead a life of dignity, respect, and purpose. Let us help save your life or your loved one's life. Call today for more information or to facilitate an intervention. 1-855-787-787. 2424 or visit addictionrehabtoronto.ca. Joe Tilly Sports is brought to you by COSA, Central Ontario Standard Bread Association, providing a united voice for harness horse people racing at Ontario tracks. Check out your benefits today at COSAonline.com and check out COSA TV on Facebook and YouTube for all the latest harness news and live action updates. Live racing year-round. Go to hpibet.com for all your wagering options. Become a member today, and your first bet is free. That's hpibet.com. Slow play. It's a slippery slope. First you go looking for that lost ball, and then everything goes sideways. There are a lot of golfers on the course. Make certain of your point of entry, Look quickly and move on. Remember, we're here for a good time, not a long time. Find anything, Bob? Not yet. ShopClublink.ca for golf equipment, demo clubs, trade-ins, golf apparel, men's and women's, custom fittings, accessories, all at your fingertips. ShopClublink.ca. moment 
sixth outside. Yeah, so now my Costa Swiss pick of the week. Last week I went to Mohawk for the second leg of the Ontario Girls Pacing Series. I decided to go with the long shot, share the moment. The number three horse didn't get a particularly good trip. Travis Cullen opted not to take her outside. Might not have made any difference anyway. Awesome Hill, the favorite, was the best horse in this night. Just just Daisy made a late rally to finish second. Share of the moment was fourth. This week, Thursday night, it's a $42,000 final of the girls' pacing series. This time, I'm looking at another horse for the price. Number three, Village Jade with Chris Christopheru in the buggy. Came close last week. I think she might just pull it off and throw Awesome Hill and Just Daisy into the 135 exact up. Uh, reminder, all the racing updates, visit Costa TV on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Go to hbibet.com for your wagering options. Time now for the RICOM Wrap, sports news that's close to home. Well, they're not looking much like a legitimate Stanley Cup contender, at least not these days. But the least, you know, they got spanked by the Sabres. They blew a third period lead against the Canucks. Both home dates. I have to say I expected better, but they did manage to hang on for the win in Columbus, but they let a 3-0 lead slip away, and you can't win come playoff time without top-notch goaltending and defense. The Buds are not getting it done right now. But there's time to get this turned around. Congratulations also to Wayne Simmons on reaching the 1,000-game mark. It's been a tough go for the Rap Attack, and yes, as well. They've uh, dropped six of their last eight games. The only win coming against the uh, depleted net side. They certainly missed Freddie, still out with that knee issue. Malachi Flynn also missed that game against the Cavaliers. It's not that big of a deal standings-wise, but you'd like to be playing your best hoops as you head down the stretch. Uh, and a rough go for another Toronto club, Toronto FC, with the New York Red Bulls in town. Uh, Morgan, uh, the Reds had no answer for Lewis Morgan. Morgan scored three times to lead the Red Bulls to a 4-1 romp. Jesus Jimenez scored the lone goal for TFC, who head to Columbus next weekend. The Toronto Rock were looking for a little payback, and by golly, they got it. Uh, one week after a 14-13 setback to the last place New York Riptide, the Rock took advantage of some home cooking in the return match at First Ontario Centre. Close to 8,000 fans. Yes, they had fans in the house, and they liked what they saw. Dan Dawson had an amazing night playing in his 306th NLL game which tied a league record. The 40-year-old scored twice, set up four others to pace the Rock to a 12-9 victory. They are now 7-4 on the year and will be in Vancouver on Saturday night. Wow, those Canadian tennis players continue to rack up those Ws. Leila Annie Fernandez successfully defended her title at the Monterey Open in Mexico. The 19-year-old from Laval struggled with her first serve, but still got it done over Columbia's Camilla Osorio in three sets. Her second WTA Tour title. Meanwhile, Canada's Rebecca Marino captured an ITF Pro Circuit title in Arcadia, California on the weekend. Okay, let's see how I made out on the par 3 6 at El Tigre this week. Okay, we're at the ninth hole here at El Tigre, and I want you to say hello to my little friend. Any beauty? God damn it! Four. Yes. 
Get back up in. Go to the right. And what a shot. Yo, What a shot. <laughs> it's a little long. It's a little long, but I'm on the green, baby. Today's environmental tip, use fewer plastic bags. Plastic bags are made from fossil fuels and that has a negative impact on the climate. Drains clogged with plastic waste can contribute to major flooding. Plastic bags harm wildlife in numerous ways. They may ingest the plastic. Animals can get tangled in discarded plastic. RICOM, passionate people who turn complicated business problems into simplified technology solutions. For public and private sector real estate, properties, portfolios, and enterprise customers. Optimize and future-proof smart buildings from the ground up. Smart Tech Solutions, the latest in fault locating, base building network design, managed services, cybersecurity, data analytics. Our fault detection will support all smart strategies, define projected outcomes for capital planning, and reduce environmental impact. RICOM, smart protection solutions. At RICOM, we're building a path to a smart and environmentally friendly future and a carbon-free economy. And we want to thank all the folks who make this show possible. These are friends, trusted business associates, and all-around great folks. And we have to thank you all. Uh, highly... I highly recommend every each and every one of them. A reminder that this show is now available on Spotify, iTunes, Breaker, Radio Public, Google Podcasts, and Pocket Cast, as well as the Spanglish Network and Zingo TV. Also, please like and subscribe to the show on YouTube. Check out all the former episodes. It's free and it's fun. Uh, thank you once again to Jerome McGinley for being on the show. It was an absolute pleasure to have him on. Thank you for watching and join us next week when Canadian football legend Frank Cosentino drops by. We'll see you then. Joe Tilly's Great Canadian Sports Show is brought to you by Brian Gribben Insurance Planning, helping you solidify your financial future. At BGIP, what we do that's unique in the marketplace is we show people how to spend and enjoy their money in their early years of retirement without the fear of running out. Also, we're able to do this without you having to change financial advisors. Please look us up at bgip.ca today. And let's book a 30-minute phone call to see how we can bring value to you and your family in your planning. Call Brian today for all your retirement needs. We did. 905-686-5678. Do you want to buy or sell a home? Could 31 years of real estate experience help you? Why not speak to an amazing team that loves to overpromise and overdeliver? Aldo has a tremendous team of experts on staff. They are committed to making your next real estate transaction smooth and comfortable. Call 416 Get Aldo or visit getaldo.com. Brought to you by MNP, a leading Canadian national accounting, tax, and business consulting firm. MNP proudly serves and responds to the needs of our clients in the private, public, and non-for-profit sectors. Through partner-led engagements, MNP provides a collaborative, cost-effective approach to doing business and personalized strategies to help people and organizations succeed across the country and around the world. With local offices in Oshawa, Toronto, Mississauga, Burlington, and more. Our team is here to support you. Visit mnp.ca to learn more.